2: Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast. Why do they call me Nomad? Well, i traveled the globe spreading the joy of music one song at a time. And now I bring you wisdom, tried and true knowledge, and life experiences of my colleagues and peers in this crazy business we call music. In today's episode of The Career Musician, we talk to John Acosta, president of Local 47, American Federation of Musicians.
0: This is The Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad.
2: Let's be honest, the union has a bad rap amongst some of us career musicians. Work dues, membership dues. They don't refer us for gigs. What about group health care and so on? But for as many complaints that we might have, on the flip side, the union does a lot of good for the career musician. For example, there's the Sound Recording Special Payment Fund, which pays the musician a percentage of royalties earned on each recording they've played on. Additionally, there's the Film Music Secondary Market Fund, which means when a film goes to a secondary market, DVDs, etc., the musicians that played on that film score get a percentage of those royalties as well. These are just two examples of how the union actually helps career musicians. Let's listen to this interview with John Acosta to find out more. John Acosta, the president of Local 47 AFM here in Los Angeles. We're at the Production Music Association Conference, the PMC. He's sitting here telling me a little bit about his history, how he got involved with the union, and I'm like, John, if we don't capture this now, we're never going to get it.
1: Yeah. So, so, so they, they
2: you're in the office, and they're telling you, you should run for VP. Yeah. I mean, just start there. Continue yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, That's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good.
1: So you know, I had been a staff member for a while and I was you know, in a position running, running the recording department and our president at the time, Hal Pinoza, mm-hmm. was getting ready to step down and he came to me and he said, you know, I'm gonna be stepping down and our vice president's gonna you know, run for president, he most likely will win, and, and I think you'd be a great vice president and move up you know, move in that position. And I was like, wow, that's quite a change for me because you're now elected. If you don't get elected, you're out of a job. So I said, you know, I gotta talk to my wife about this, of course. So of course. I went home and I told my wife and everything. She's like, well, so what does that mean exactly? I'm like, well, i get if I win, I'll get a, I'll make more money, but if I lose, honey, you're gonna have to make sure you get a job. <laughs> and she's like, it's wow. Back to the grind. She's yeah. like, wow. Well, she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I think it would be a great challenge, you know, to move up. I think it would be a great opportunity. You know, it's a little bit of a daunting idea, but I think I should do it. She's like, well, then do it. So I ran for office. I I won, no one ran against me, I was unopposed. And I served as vice president for about six years. And you know, one of the things that I really tried to do, even with kind of an older guard at the helm as a president, was trying to get the young members more involved in the union and trying to get the union to be more responsive to younger members. Because I could tell, that we had a lot of members, we still have a lot of members, but very few of them interact with us. And when you talk to them, it's never like the, the excitement that we need isn't really there. And how do we get that excitement happen? So I would try and get more involved in going and visiting different gigs that were happening, whether they were union or not union. You know, right, trying right. to um, you know see what talk to members and say, hey what can we do for you that we're not doing now? What are the things that, that you see we could do better? And you know, we started different programs, I guess taking the lead, but working with our board. We started the first music education program at the Union, orchestration one and two. Which when is was totally that? free. That uh, started in 2010, I think. I'm taking the course right, right. now. We, we started, started in 2010. Ludwin. Yeah, yeah, with Amazing. Ludwin. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and actually, even before that, we started a finale class. That was the first one. Brilliant. We did a finale class, totally free to the members. And we said, look, what can we give the members who are just paying the, the fees every year and just really not getting anything, waiting for a call, waiting for a job hoping that something's gonna happen, or they join, but they're not getting anything out of it. So I said, why don't we come up with programs that are gonna keep them excited. So finale was one super successful. We had an instructor from USC who basically ran the program, something that will cost you about $2,000 a year. You went to like UCLA Extension program, $1,500 to grand. Wow. You got it for free as a member. So that was one thing we did. Then we instituted Orchestration One and Two with Norman Loving. Same thing. He teaches that same program at UCLA Extension. Costs you about $1,500 to take it. For $200 a year of membership, you get it for free. Yeah. And you get everything else. And then you know, as vice president, um, try to do new things, new exciting things. And then moved into my position as president and trying trying to continue that, improving our our, our communication to young musicians, African American musicians and hip hop and rap, RB, Latino musicians and doing salsa music, you know, trying to get into the public schools so that the music young musicians hear about us first before they get a bill in the mail of work dues that's right, right? <laughs> so when we when they see us like oh yeah that's the organization that brought free music lessons to my class or took me to the scoring session and showed me how to score a film that's right that's where we want to be so that's but, a little bit but the knowledge
2: of understanding why you're getting that bill in the mail that's so important mm-hmm. and, you know and that's that's where you come in right. you know you're right. teaching them, look if you're getting a work dues bill right. that's a good thing right that means you did something on the card on the union absolutely
1: with union scale right there their benefits too. and know, there are you getting the benefits right right from you let's hear it from the press right oh no Talk absolutely about the benefits yeah and, and and that's the thing working under a union agreement you get things that you'll never expect otherwise. Right. One, you get a guaranteed rate. This is the minimum I'm gonna get, right? So of course no you can more ask for questioning. more. questioning. Right, right. It's yeah. not like, well, what's your rate? Just pay, my rate's union scale. Right. Then it's not a negotiation unless you want to get overscale, which you should right. always go for. That's right. You're getting pension contributions, so you have something to retire on. You're getting medical contributions, so you can, you know, try and qualify for medical. Hopefully, you have enough union work. And then that same job will continue to pay you down the line. That's right. If you did a demo, I'll give you an example, you do a, a demo on a union contract, well, you're getting paid to do a demo. If that demo gets picked up by a major label and they release it, you need to get paid again, like if you just went in the studio again and recorded- For a master scale. Right, master scale. Yes. Now, that master scale, that master's recording gets picked up and gets put in the movie. Now you got to get paid from a, a movie session Secondary, see. or the, first the film you get, market. First right. you get a new use payment, use, like if you right. went to the studio for the film, right. and then you get back in. And for that record you made, you're getting special payments on the sound recording side, you're getting film musician secondary markets on the film side, and you're getting a new use payment for a film session. That's all from one, one job.
2: All right. Well, as I mentioned, we were at the PMC, which is the Production Music Conference here in Los Angeles. The PMA, the Production Music Association, is the one that hosts that event. And basically, that's an opportunity for people like myself, composers who do library production music. We all come together. We talk about the industry, the tech side of things, the progression of the business, etc. And uh, John was there. So. Once again, as a career musician, one of the things I like to talk about on this podcast is networking. And oftentimes, a lot of us don't want to go to these events, but you never know who you're going to run into. So that was a great example. And I did feel that we had to capture some of that energy right there with John Acosta, once again, who's the president of Local 47 here in Los Angeles. So as you can see, oftentimes, All of the things in the industry are connected by one way or another. Now, in this next section of the interview, I sat down with John at his office in the brand new headquarters of the Union Local 47 in Burbank, which is in my neighborhood. Give a shout out to career musician Andre Delano, a dear friend of mine and John's, and he connected us. So thank you, Andre. Let's dig into the interview. I'm here with the president of Local AFM Local 47, John Acosta, but I don't feel like I'm with the president of the Los Angeles Union. I feel like I'm in your living room, bro. Cool, man. You are such a cool dude, and, and you're so Back mellow. You. Thank you. You're so mellow, you're so down to earth, you're so approachable. Thank you. And that's like the first thing that I want to start with is you. You're the president of the Union of Los Angeles, and let's not get it twisted. Well, some of the, the, the world's greatest musicians reside and work here. Absolutely. How did you step into this position? I know you started yeah. as a career musician yourself.
1: Yeah, so so I came to L.A. when I was 17. I had been working as a musician in New York. That's where I'm bo- I was born, in the Bronx. And started out kind of doing hip-hop, rap stuff around the time. krs um, One, who was in the neighborhood, and Grandmaster Flash, and all these guys, Africa Bambada. They were all the, the older guys we looked up to, and we would kind of, they'd pack us around when they would do their their jams and stuff. So we were all doing rap, but um, I always kind of secretly played an instrument at home, and I was also in school band. And my father was a conga player, played with Tito Puentes and Celia Cruz, so we had a lot of music in the house. He was also a big Beatles man. Which, by the way, you also have Latin heritage. Yeah, Cuban and Puerto Rican, yeah. That's beautiful. So yeah, so, Doing music and and hip-hop and then in New York merging that with kind of live music, with live guitar, live uh, performance. We were playing down in the Lower East Side at a club called SOBs, which I think is still there. And uh, we did some hip-hop stuff mixed with live and we like tore the house down. Just everyone loved the idea back then. And then a manager came out of the woodwork, a lady by the name of Amanda Shear, who eventually started a company called... um, Buzztone Entertainment, and signed Cypress Hill, and House of Pain, a couple other artists, uh, signed me as, as uh, for management, and then moved to the West Coast and said, hey, you need to come out here, this is where it's at. So I came out and started doing music, got an offer for a record deal with Epic, and started w- basically working on the, the music that would ultimately be on this album that was gonna be released on Epic. Long story short, as I was writing this album and recording this album, working with Matt Hyde, I don't know if you ever heard of him, a great producer. Absolutely. Um, He produced a lot of stuff with Booyah Tribe. He was doing back then. I met another guy named Carl Stevenson, who at that point had produced The College Boys and The Ghetto Boys. I had a falling out with the manager. didn't want to sign this, this contract. I was also good friends with Divine Styler. I don't know if you remember him. And he was, all, all the people I knew who were signed were saying, oh man, it's a horrible deal, don't go through with it. So I ended up walking away from the deal, going back to New York and just trying to figure out, okay, I gotta start all over, find a new manager and all this stuff. And then I got a call from my friend Carl Stevenson who had produced these guys. Say, said, hey, you know, remember those demos I sent you based on the stuff that we were doing, mixing like hip hop and like psychedelic Beatles stuff. Mm. Um, so I hooked up with this guy named Beck, and we wrote a a couple of demos and it just blew up. And now we got this bidding war and like, I just got offered this huge record deal. You need to come back and help me finish this album because I can't do it by myself. Will you come back? Like, hell yeah. So he sent me some money. I came back out and we started working on his album which ultimately came out on, he was signed to Geffen um, and then uh, DreamWorks picked it up because they wanted it really bad. Wow. It was a group called Forest for the Trees. Uh, we put out an album in the like uh, mid-90s. Did really well. It was all over the radio, MTV. Nice. Um, unfortunately, Carl kind of lost it mentally at that point because he blew up so much and he had been experimenting with drugs and sure. stuff. Kind of lost it, got institutionalized. So the whole band was put on hold because we were getting ready to go on tour with this album that was just blowing up, right? Mm. The label came back and said, well, look, you guys keep rehearsing, we're hoping he's gonna come out okay and then we can put you guys on the road. So we were actually next door at Center Stage for a month rehearsing, getting the band ready, you know, looking at this tour. Carl comes out, they literally drive him from the insane asylum to Center Stage to say, okay, here's the band. And he's like, what the hell's going on here? Like, I'm not going on tour. Like, what are you guys doing? I didn't even know this I'm was happening. I'm just getting well, yeah. So, so long story short, I mean, that's kind of was my entry to getting to L.A. Wow. And the other projects I ended up working on as a musician, Jude, who was signed to Maverick, an artist called Thousand Clowns that was on Electra. We had a couple of hits in Europe. Um, did a lot of demo work, session work for other artists. And then eventually, as I started having a family, I had a kid and then I had a second kid and as a as a musician working from you know check to check, mm-hmm. you know, you wait you get a big check mm-hmm. and then you have to figure out how to make that work out for a few months That's until right. the next big check. Right. And um and I wasn't and I at one point I really realized I had to make a change because I was offered a tour. I was told uh, uh, by this uh, well known scout band I think it was called the Hepcats or some some artists that were going on tour said, Hey man we need a guitarist you wanna come with us and it was like a six month tour. And then I had a, I had two kids. Mm. And I knew how, when I was born, my dad was never home touring. And I said, wow, you know, this sounds really exciting. I want to do it. Then I thought, but I'm not going to see my son for six months or my kids. Mm. And I realized, okay, whatever I do, I got to be able to stay in LA and do it, you know, stay next to home. Sure. So, you know, at that point I started realizing, okay, music is in my heart, but I also got to figure out other ways to stay in the industry that aren't always going to be playing my instrument or Absolutely. writing or producing or arranging, which I was doing. So I started doing production work, engineering, uh, running studios. I ran a studio in Hollywood called RBC Studios. Uh, yeah. And we were doing a lot of um, sound recording stuff, motion picture stuff, radio. I basically ran the studio. Wow. They had an agency of actors, SAG-AFTRA, uh, or SAG agency back then. And... I was doing so well on the studio side with clients and running all that. They said, "You know, hey, we're having a lot of problems with the agency. Will you run the agency?" I didn't know anything about running actors, but I just said, "All right, whatever." I started running that uh, for them, and then 2001 came, and September 11th, and everything just went crash. Mm. As you know, the industry, the whole world, basically economy just, just tanked, fell apart, and um, the studio started uh, slowing down a lot. We are still able to move forward, but, you know, we had to cut back a lot. The company that we, we had also had a lot of radio stations on the East Coast, and they started going on there because all the ad, advertising was being cut back because of the economy being so horrible. Mm. And then I was like, okay, I saw the writing on the wall. i got to figure out another gig. All this time, I had worked union, you know, I was doing the DreamWorks stuff and Geffen and Electro Records, all the major label stuff I did. I was always... On the card and yeah. i was getting you know i was i would be a member then i'd drop out i'd pay my dues i wouldn't
2: the all too I, familiar
1: story exactly. of everyone, yeah yeah you know and then one day that day or one of the days i was at this rbc and i took a lunch break and i was walking down vine and i walked out by the old building I'm like oh there's mm-hmm. the, the building sure, i haven't been in a while let me go in so go in the building these doors are open and i look in there's this huge recording studio in the back and I was like, oh, that's great, because they have a big room. Maybe I want to do something with an orchestra. This would be a good room for sure. that. Start talking to the studio manager, and she's like, oh, you're an engineer? We need engineers. Are you interested in working as an engineer here? So I was like, yeah, here's my car, whatever. And I started doing projects and you know, bringing clients in, and then eventually left the other studio, and I was totally freelance. And then one day they said, um, hey, you know, there's another position open Working as a as a, a concert or live performance rep, you might be interested in that, and it had benefits which I didn't have, like medical insurance and pension. Wow. Or the family medical was huge, nice, right? Yeah. I was like, All right, let me let me look into this. And at that point, the union to me was really old and crusty. Right. It was kind of like going to the DMV. Right. You know, where everybody right. was like. Everybody had a horrible attitude. You couldn't get anybody's attention. Sure. You know, had to wait. You know, it was everything looked run down. I think that is was the, not excited. the general populist, uh, you know, right. idea
2: of what the union is. Right. Antiquated, yeah.
1: So I saw that. I'm like, do I really want to work here? Right. But then I thought, but it's music. It's musicians. And it's L.A. Phil. And it's the opera. And it's the record companies and all. So I was like, yeah, let me try it. So I said, well, I'll do this job for five years, maybe. Yeah. At the most. Sure. It for a year or two and then see what happens and then that's how that's it started it. I did that job I became then the rep for sound recordings with working with the labels and I, and then I became the supervisor of the recording department then I be, ran for I was asked hey you should run for office you'd be a great vice president <laughs> and I was like shit that's a big leap mm-hmm. of faith because then you're elected every two years you could be unelected and I told my wife I said you know this is a great step up but if i don't if i don't win like we're out of the you know out of income sure, sure. what do you think and she's like well what do you want to do like you know what do what you feel? know what do you feel I'm like It oh, sounds like a good thing to try yeah so i ran and I, no one ran against me so i became vice president I did that for 6 years and now i'm on my third term as president so after this term i'll be here 18 years and i was only supposed to be here 5 years and I look back and go, damn, that's crazy. And and you know, a lot of the things that I hated about the union, as I got more involved, were the things that I try to like address. You know, with the, with right. the, my supervisors now, with the board, and with our membership about making this place hip and yes. and unique and exciting. And that's one of the reasons we moved here, because yes. of the old building. If you looked at it, it didn't project twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Right. It projected the times before. That's right, and there's a lot of history there. It's a great building. I was just going to
2: say, which the nostalgia of our business is amazing and beautiful, and we all have to. I I believe we all have to have reverence for it, but we also
1: have to look forward. Absolutely, and that's what you've been doing. That's what we've been trying to do. You know, is is figure out what do we need to do to excite the young musicians to say they want to be part of the part of the AFM. That's right. You know, and and it's a challenge because the world out there doesn't doesn't work the way our world works right what people are doing in the real world doesn't synchronize with all the agreements we have so we need to be out of the box when we're trying to help these musicians and show them the value of the work they're doing because it is work and how how they need to look ahead not to the gig today but the gig but your career you know you're, you're not building today just for today you're looking at 10 20 years from now where do you want to be and that, you know that's and that's a big challenge because you know as a young musician you're just thrilled that you could do what you could do and you're happy to sleep on someone's couch and, you know, eat so, at McDonald's if you have to. Absolutely.
2: For me, I put it together. In our teens, we, we discovered the talent. We start cultivating it. In our early 20s, we really hone in and, start, and really cultivate it as we're getting our first jobs. Right. And in those 20s, you are so elated to get a gig. Right. And never mind a consistent gig. Right. You're jumping through the roof. You don't care what right. it pays. Exactly. Or lack of you won't even ask. benefit. You don't, <laughs> you don't even ask And You don't care. And you're like, whatever you get, you're like right. flipping out. Then all of a sudden, you get to your late 20s. You realize wait a minute, I'm going to be 30, and I don't right. have my bank account. I don't have savings. I don't have retirement. Right. If I have to go to the doctor, it comes in my pocket. Like, right. it, then you start realizing all of a sudden. So yeah. I truly believe that it is our responsibility as the older musicians in the community, as right. we get up in age, right. to distill uh, this information Absolutely. to the young generations. And that's why I respect you so much for well, what you're doing. You.
1: Well, thank you. And this, I mean, obviously, I appreciate that, but it's, it's everybody here. It's, right. Bernie, it's Rick. It's, it's a collective. All yes. the reps. I mean, it's, it's the staff that makes it happen. And, you know, they're right on the front lines. And also, it's people like you and other members who see the value and impart it. Because right. it's one thing if I go to a young musician and say, "Hey, you should join the union." Right, right. I'm the union president, of course, I'm yeah. going to say that. But if Nomad <laughs> says, "Hey, man, you need to be under a union contract. You need to go check this out." Right. That vibrates differently to someone who looks up to you, who knows what your career is. You know, you've worked with artists that they can only hope and wish to work with.
2: Absolutely. And I remember the time for me when it happened. I was working in Nashville as a session musician and also a live. Uh, guy, I was in Kirk Whalum's band, and I did a bunch of sessions. And the first time I was on the card with our union, with two five seven local, you know, yeah. Dave Pomeroy is yeah. now the president. Yeah. Um, you know, it was new to me, but I filled out all the paperwork, blah blah. blah and when I got paid, I was pleasantly surprised. Right. But then I was even more surprised when I get my special payments in August. Right. I believe it's yeah. August, right? Yeah yeah. 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 And I said, "Wait a minute! I played on that record last year. Why no, am I, I mean, getting paid again?" I had
1: the same thing happen to me. The-
2: and then you realize... I
1: thought well, they made a mistake when you, I got the extra check. I was like, oh my God, they messed up. I already got paid for this. Should I call anybody? I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna cash it and wait for them to call me. That's right. As a musician, <laughs> that's how we live, yeah. man. We have to. Well, and on that note, yeah, please. working with Carl and, and, and for the 4 c three, three stuff, and getting that extra check the following year and not saying anything, I'm like, because I think they messed up, so right. I'm just gonna put it in the bank. And then going to a session with him and then feeling guilty. I said, Hey, you know, I gotta tell you something. Um, so I think the label screwed up because I got another, they pay me again for this thing. And he's like, No, 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 that's cool. It's part of the royalties you're supposed to get. And I was like relieved because I was feeling really guilty. That's right. The Catholic guilt, you know. That's so, right.
2: Well, as career musicians, we do live paycheck to paycheck sometimes, gig to gig. It's just the nature of the biz and being independently contracted and self-employed. It just goes with the territory. But look, there's a great positive about the union. The sound recording special payments, the film uh, music secondary market fund, all these things pay back to us dividends, if you will, which are just percentages of royalties Furthermore, the union is a place of refuge for the musician. If you have an issue getting paid by certain production companies or what have you, you can go to the union and they will help track down that money.
0: You're listening to the Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad. Add the career musician to your playlist today.
2: I do want to talk about uh, the, some of the benefits. So these are advantages of the union. You get a percentage of the royalties of all the albums that you've played on. Right. Uh, that's a, and they call it the special payments Right. Firm, the sound recording uh, special payments, special fund. payments Right. Their office is located in New York. Right. And it happens every August. Right. So the more albums you play on, the more commissions you're getting, basically.
1: Right, right. the more royalties. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that fund was established a long time ago, but it's basically a fund that based on the health of the industry and obviously now physical sales has pretty much you know, gone away. It's more that's about right. streaming. streaming. And so the union has been um, really fighting hard at the negotiating table with the labels to increase the streaming revenue because that's where all the activity is. Right, the, the sound Modernization recording... Act basically. Right, well that's part of it. But also our collective bargaining agreement with the sound recording labels has certain provisions. Um, we were able to Put in an influx of almost four million dollars into those funds from a from one negotiation where we they had been audited, and they had all the labels hold all this money in pension contributions, mm-hmm. and so part of the settlement was they would put um, come up with a number which was four million at that point, mm-hmm. a big chunk of that went into the special payments fund, boosted it up, and then another portion went to the trust fund. For live performance jobs, we have a fund that funds live performances in free and open spaces, to generate more enthusiasm around live music, but also to give work to musicians. Amazing. So those funds, you know, are there and they benefit from the recording recordings that you guys do. Yeah.
2: Now let's talk about film. Same mm-hmm. thing happened. I played my first film. I played on was Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Oh, that's with a great John movie. Powell. I love it. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, I think now July. Yeah. Is the film market second secondary? Film, yeah.
1: Film musicians
2: secondary go. market. Secondary fund. market fund. Right. Another same thing. You're right. getting a percentage of the royalties that right. are garnered
1: from these. Yeah. yeah. The the two the two different funds are similar in that they're royalties for musicians. The Sound Recording Special Payments Fund is based on all of the sales of the industry, and then however ses- many sessions you do, you get a pro-rata percentage right. payment of that, and it's a five-year window. So you'll get royalties for five years on those recordings. After five years, they, they, they end. Right. The Film Musicians Fund is based on how well the film does in secondary markets, so streaming Mm. revenue, on-demand, airplane use. At the time it was DVD. Right, DVD, video on demand, everything now is digital, but basically all those other aftermarkets, all the revenue the film creates from those markets, 1% of the producers' gross is distributed to all the musicians on that, and that's in perpetuity. And let me say, 1% of the producers' gross... Speaking from
2: experience I know yeah. we both know It doesn't sound like a lot right. But it actually is It can be I'm right. just It can be Depending on how big the film is Absolutely I am just a guitar player I yeah. did several overdub sessions mm. On the card of course And every time I, I got those funds They were mm. They were decent right, right They help you pay Your monthly You know right. Overhead
1: Right and, so, and the more films you do you A lot of musicians up. Who do a lot of Motion picture work They, they That's a big part Of their income Big some more. folks will get up to 50 to 100 grand a year just from the the fund.
3: That's right.
1: That fund has been growing. The last distribution was over 100 million dollars to musicians.
3: There you
1: go. And it's been incrementally going up because the the value of the music that we do under union contracts is 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 increasing. Right. While our upfront wages have gone down some, the royalties on the back end are just growing and mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with streaming. Right. Streaming revenue. Right.
2: Amazing, all right. Yeah. So see, these are some of the benefits. Of
1: course, we can't forget the pension and the right. health and welfare. Absolutely. Yeah, and the pension fund operates more as a long-term benefit. And so for every union job you do, the employers pay a percentage above and beyond your salary. So for instance, if you do, let's say a recording session, you might get a single session scales about $400. Right. The employer will pay about 12% of that, about 40, 50 bucks into a pension account for you. Mm-hmm. If you get enough uh, money in your pension account over a five year period, you invest in the pension, which I'm sure you've already vested. That means you'll never lose that pension ever.
3: That's right.
1: So if you become a you know a, a animator or you know just you go into a different industry, you stop doing music, that pension will still be there still for be you. There. Um, on the health side, It just gets a little tricky. Yeah. It gets a little convoluted. The health and welfare. Yeah, please. Yeah. So so there's two health plans that the union has. One is the uh, Local 47 Health and Welfare Fund that we are the sponsor of. That's attached to all of our live performance contracts, to sound recording work, um, to jingles, commercials, and to live television. And then we have another fund called the Flex Plan, which is attached to just motion picture and TV work. On the F- Local 47 Health and Welfare Plan, basically, once you get $800 in contributions mm-hmm. in a year, mm-hmm. you qualify as an individual for the basic Kaiser Health Plan, which is an HMO plan. It's a great plan. It's got a deductible, I think, of about two dollars to $3,000 deductible. Yeah. but $800. Month- in contributions. In contributions. Which, if, let's say, you made... Let's say you earned $8,000 in a year on the union contracts. Right. And it could be... You did a thing at the Hollywood Bowl on their live, and then you did a thing at Nokia Theater. Sure. And then you did a, a live tour, and then you did a couple of sound recordings. All of that pays into the same account. That's right. If you get to a number of about 8000 that year in wages under union agreements, and the contribution is 10%, mm-hmm. that's your $800. Because 10% of 8000 is 800 Of course. Once you qualify, you get full medical, dental, vision, and chiropractic. Amazing. All you pay is about $125 a month in premiums. Amazing. You still pay your premium, right. But it's a subsidies a subsidized plan. The plan itself costs like five thousand dollars, six thousand dollars a year. The, but the is premium is only one thousand dollars. Amazing.
2: Okay. Let's say you can't continue perpetuating that work volume. Right. And you don't meet the eight hundred dollar contribution. Right. So
1: let's say you have it yeah. and then you lose you don't get to the, right. the tier the next year so you can way. go Cobra. You can okay. for Cobra and your premium will go up but you can keep the same benefit for another, I think it's 18 months in COBRA. You can keep it intact while you're trying to get your workload back yeah. up. Yeah, okay. and the thing is to really hustle and know like, okay, when I'm doing these jobs, it's in my best interest to put them on the union agreements, whether it's a demo, we have a demo agreement. If you're just gonna go play in your friend's kitchen and do a couple of demos, have them sign the demo contract, pay your pension and health, that whatever, $20 is gonna go towards your health. And it's a couple bucks we're talking right, about. Right, It's not a lot of money. to For each yeah. job you do, there's a small contribution, but they add up, right? They do. And, um, you know, so it's in your best interest to say, okay, I'm doing some demos this week. I want to put those under AFM. Sure. I'm doing this live tour thing. Let me see if I can figure that out. I'm going to do a, a chart for somebody. I'm going to arrange a chart. You can put that under the contract as well. Almost anything you do as a musician, yeah. if you just went in and said, hey, I'm going to go do a lecture at... I don't know uh, West Coast music or something yeah. for a, a class of kids. You could figure out a scale that you could put that under and say, "I'm gonna. This is gonna be a demonstration. I'm wow. gonna go in, do a lecture, play a little bit of guitar, and then I'm out of there. Like Let's workshop, put it under buddy. the live performance scale, miscellaneous 102. That'll get me twenty thirty dollars into my health plan and my pension. Look at that. But there's a creative way always to put this work on the contract, and a lot of members are hustling to make sure that happens. Because they need the medical, they also want to put money in pension. That's beautiful, man.
2: You you have a natural ability to uh, look at everything in such a pragmatic way and follow through and get it done. Yeah, well, I try. Yeah. Look, I know what some of you may be thinking. Sure, if I was an A-list session cat back in the day, I'd be filthy rich off of all of my double-scale, triple-scale sessions, sometimes three a day, five, six days a week. But the union still is valid. It still helps the career musician get paid a fair wage, regardless of the type of job we're doing. And sometimes you do have to get creative with the contracts and how to integrate them into the gigs. To be honest, I know I have a lot of friends out there that are not going to appreciate my stance on this. But look, I'm just speaking from experience, and I believe we all owe it to ourselves to check it out.
0: Learning the secrets of the industry from the veterans who know it best. Be sure to subscribe to the Career Musician podcast.
2: So now that we're on that subject, let's talk about wage negotiations. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, 70s, 80s. 60s 70s 80s one of my heroes i'm sure you can attest tommy tedesco oh of course probably one of the most recorded guitar players i've played on all the tv film dates have you seen uh, the wrecking crew absolutely he's great on there yeah yeah, the documentary beautiful so those cats from that Mm -hmm. era right they were making money, hand over fist, because they're doing literally three and four sessions a day, right. five and six days a week. Right. And in that documentary, they'd st- their first downbeat is 10 a.m. Right. Sometimes they go to midnight right. every day. Yeah. Right. Sometimes they go to 9 p.m., whatever. Right. Putting it in. They're putting the work in. Right. Then you had the 80s, the cocaine era, right? Right. Everything is just glitz and glam and it just right. blows up. Right. Now everybody's like, yo, we're pop stars. Michael Jackson's making a bajillion dollars. Right. Guess what? I'm playing on the record. I want my piece of the pie. Right. I'm charging triple scale. Right. When did that happen? Where scales started to be negotiable? Where cats mm. could say, or was that always a thing? Look, right. you know what, man? I'm double scale. You want right. me? I'm double scale. Right. Or
1: you know, my and I, my my understanding of this, and I think Rick, who's been around longer, will give you his take. Okay. But when I got into this industry in the '90s, it was already out there that you and, know. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. probably had the same experience where. I would have a producer call me in and say, hey, I need you to come in and lay some guitar on these tracks. And I would be there all day. I would hmm. be there 10 hours. You know, I'd be there from mm-hmm. the morning. And I might be sitting half of the time on the couch playing, or playing video games or whatever. But you're waiting his call. But I'm yeah. just waiting for yeah. them to call me in. That's right. If they put all that time on the contract, it would be 10 hours of union scale. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So they would say, hey, man, we're going to give you a double scale yeah. for today. For the day. Yeah. You're going to get double scale. Gotcha. You know, is that cool? And I was in my 20s. I didn't even know what that meant. Right. I said, oh, That's you're paying me, right? Okay, y- good. Y- there we go. Other producers, I would go in and just do an hour. Yeah. But this was a project where there was a lot of money involved. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to give you triple scale for this. I was never in the position like a Tedesco to say, I'm triple scale. Right. There are a lot of people in this town and the contractors know because I hear from them that you if you know if you want Wayne Bergeron trumpet he's a triple scale absolutely right minimum or you know Rick was in that camp too whatever or sure. guaranteed doubles sure like you know you know what it oh is. yeah you get the doubles so some people would say a double basically is a like 25% bump on your scale right. a motion picture is a 50% bump wow but even though you didn't play the double, which right. is another instrument, so doubles meaning it's another instrument right. within your In your your music your, group, your instrument group yeah yeah so like yeah. if you're sax you go to flute or right. you do sax flute clarinet if you guitar you go to banjo right, right. exactly right. so they would say I'm going to give you two guaranteed doubles on this call so you'll get scale plus two guaranteed doubles and you didn't, you didn't even play them beautiful but those are the call, the up. players who are first we would call first call first call and I think A-list. it goes I think it goes back at least to the 70s, if not more. Got
2: you. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. I love that because I've been double-scale for a long time. Mm-hmm. Of course, I negotiate sometimes. I'll have to do single-scale. But at the end of the day, these rates uh, really do add up. Right. And, and they help. Uh, another Another workaround, and, and believe you could probably shed even more light, LEADER. Right. scale so if right. even if they don't want to give you double
1: to say okay we'll pay me leader. leader right which can is you, double scale anyway just double scale? can you break that down for us yeah. real quick yeah so every union gig has a leader right it's either 200 percent uh most of the time there's some contracts where it's 150 percent. but as the leader you're technically the technically the one leading the session right but a lot of times, if you're there by yourself, like you'll go in and just do some uh, some tracks for someone. Overdubs. You're by yourself. You're the leader, even yeah. though you're not leading anybody. That's right. That's and that's right. one thing we have in our agreements. One thing the industry always comes back and says, why are we paying this leader shit? Like, we need to right. you know, take right. that out of the contract because they're, they're just coming in and doing some overdubs. Yeah. That's like a sacred cow for the union. We will never give up. People will die before they right. give up leader. Amen. We've been in negotiations where you'd have the president of nashville the president of la the president mm-hmm. of new york you know all these people sitting at a big table all the record companies on the other side saying yeah we got to get rid of this leader thing we gotta you know we gotta cut back and every single one to a person saying we will die before <laughs> we, we... That see that's, that's the amazing problem. and let's talk about the executives that work at
2: these labels yeah. they're not willing to give up all their perks no of course not and, and come on man yeah. let's the money that they're making, hand over fist? You well, know. The,
1: I mean, if you look at the end record industry, it's a billion-dollar industry. That's right. And it's growing. It's gotten a lot better now with streaming. Right. And increases. It's gotten its legs But, but when we negotiate the, with the labels, you're talking about an industry for musicians that's about maybe $20 million in wages a year. Mm. For a $3, 4000000000 billion dollar industry to be haggling over $20 million... 20, million. That's sad. And they're making music, right? Yes. So what's integral to music is musicians. Musicians. So how could they treat the people who are the foundation of what they... Of the industry. What the product is, like crap, which is what they do. And, you know, we go back and forth in negotiations, and eventually we cut a deal, but you, you get a lot of... These people are not musicians. Right. They don't know what it's like to rehearse... In, in your in your studio for five hours a day, or you know all the work and the instrument and the upkeep. The, the and ten, uh,
2: let's talk about the ten thousand hours, which really equates to fifty thousand hours right. to get at this level. Absolutely, the amount it's of like practice and sag- That's right. Right. And I always say the musicians really do get the short end of the stick because if you think about it. All other occupations, like you said, uh, athletes. Okay. Right. Let's talk about doctors and mm-hmm. lawyers and people of these walks of life. Their accolades only keep going up. Right. The more schooling they do, the more right. studying and training they do. Right. right? Yeah. Their paychecks reflect that. Right. It goes higher. Right. That's Musicians, true. it almost has the opposite effect. Not at all. Yeah. No. It has you no know, effect. it's 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 really sad. Right. So um, again. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little left here. That's why I believe we are stronger united. Absolutely. Hate to sound corny, yeah. but the essence of union is unity. Absolutely. And if we band together, sorry for the puns. Right. But <laughs> as musicians, that's good. And 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 really I feel again I'm not kissing up to you bro because we're both guitar players we're both Cuban Um, these are the reasons why we have to stick together man absolutely so okay we talked about all the advantages how we can get paid and and, in more ways than one and and the services that you guys offer let's talk about the big pink elephant in the room right Mm -hmm. the disadvantages of the union Mm -hmm. now I'm gonna be the devil's advocate here and I'm gonna say man Screw that, why am I gonna pay you guys my my dues? Mm-hmm. Why am I gonna pay work dues? Why am I gonna pay annual dues? This is bull, you don't help me get jobs. Right. You don't call up the film composers and say, yo, you should hire this, you should hire me, blah, blah, blah. Right. You
1: don't get me gigs, why am I paying you? Right, no, that's a, those are good points. I mean, first of all, the union isn't me, it's not John Acosta, right? The union is the collective collective of musicians who came together you know, a long time ago and decided they were going to be stronger together going back to the unity than we they were separately. Harp right? on that again because right. people need to hear that. Yeah, I mean, the union is not the people, Any, the building, the right. people who work here or the building. The union is every single musician who's out there hustling to pay that, pay that, make that gig to get that paycheck. So it was founded from us. It's It's made by musicians. So the musicians created the union. Yes. They got together. It wasn't some you know business guys say hey that should be a union of musicians that's right i think the idea of a world without a union for musicians or a world without a union for actors or for anyone else and there's a lot of problems in the world today because their unions have diminished that means that when you show up for that record date there is no scale it's whatever they want to pay you and how much leverage do you have as an individual Mm -hmm. to tell sony records you got to pay me this or I'm walking. Well, most likely you end up walking unless they really, really, really want you because the artist said, I need to have Nomad. That's right. But if it's, you know, especially when you get down to orchestras or, you know, a big, Mm. you know, group of musicians. 50 or more musicians. 50 or more. Do you think that the fourth trumpet is going to be able to go to, in the case of Next Door, they were just doing the Seth MacFarlane Christmas party. I think the fourth trumpet is going to go to Seth MacFarlane and say, Hey man, I really need to get you know four hundred dollars for this. Seth McFarland is going to call him and say, "This is what you're getting paid." And the only guide that Seth MacFarlane has today is the scale, and then overscale mm-hmm. from there. If they want Wayne Bridger again, That's they're going right. to pay double, triple. But we are the ones who are setting the floor. That's right. And then from there we go up. If you don't have a union setting scales and negotiating standards in an industry, then it's uh, it's the Wild, wild West. It's and the, you and you have that already in certain industries. All you know and you have that in a way even in this industry we, have we still it. have the wild, wild west you know there's still a lot of union density all the major labels in union all the major motion pictures in union mm-hmm. you know all every almost everything you see on tv is union mm-hmm. as far as live television I mean, there's a lot right. of tv shows that are not union cable
2: and streaming different yeah, yeah it's yeah, different yeah, 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 but
1: um and, but there's still there's a lot of growth there. network
2: broadcast
1: without a union then you have n- nothing to go by and, and then when you, when you go to work, if they don't pay you, who's going to go get you your check? Ah. You're going to do it yourself? Are you going to take on a corporation? I mean, who's doing that for you, right? So these annual dues are, I think, 230 or 240 or 220, something? 220 I think. 220, okay. Yeah.
2: And the work dues, look. as a percentage of your right. earnings. So if you don't work, you don't pay work dues. Which, here's the great thing. When they come in the mail, I turn to my wife and say, oh, babe, we got work dues. That's a good thing. I mean, that working. means you just made two grand from the session right, right. and you got to pay $40. Right. Okay, well, I'll do it. Right. You know, yeah.
1: Come on. And I, and I get it. I mean, I was a working musician and I would get work these bills and go, right. what the hell? I mean, the first time I got a bill <laughs> from the union, I was like, what the hell is this for? I didn't, they didn't get me the gig. Right, right. Of course. Right. But what I didn't know, and no one explained to me, and that's what we're trying to do today is getting to the musicians before the bill. Mm-hmm. so that they hear from us at school when they're in elementary school That's or right. in high school when they're thinking about being a professional musician they're part of a program that the musicians union sponsored That's right. so that by the time they get the bill they know the bill's coming it's not mm-hmm. that it's like out of the blue because the not label's so not nice. going to tell you, you know, when I've got my first gig the label didn't say, oh, yeah, by the way, you're working on the union contract and you have a lot of rights. And if we don't pay you on time, there's a penalty. And, you know, if there's also royalty. I mean, they don't explain anything. No. They, they, they say, oh, yeah, you know, you get paid through the local blah, blah, blah. And they, But they won't give you the information because, of course, they don't want you to know that there's rules. Right. <laughs> I mean, I took my first you session. You said it yourself. My first wow, session, wow, wow. it took me six months to get paid. To get paid. I didn't know it
2: was a two-week turnaround. But let's talk about that because that's another benefit, actually. Yeah. When that happens, when you're a union player, you can call the union right. and say, hey, call the sound recordings department, right. call
1: the film TV department. Right. I need help getting paid. Yeah. I did the session a month ago. I haven't gotten paid. I mean, that's a big part of what our staff doing is chasing the money. Right. You know, and, right. and who's going to do that for you if there's no union? That's a You're going to do it for yourself. I, I, I
2: can speak on my behalf that I was the recipient of, what was it, five, a five-digit check hmm. because of the sound recordings uh, Fantastic. director. Fantastic. That helped me chase down the money and That's get right. all of the B4 forms right. filled out correctly. Right. The B4 form is just a, a contract right. basically right, right. To report for, for the sound recording. Right. And which man, the label won't tell you. Hey, no, go do this And again. Yeah. My, my at home <laughs> advocate, my wife and I, we did. She did the research. She, you know, we did it right. together. We found out th- the union is advocacy for musicians. Right. Absolutely, that's what it is.
1: Well, no. So we, you hit on the earlier thing about the MMA, the Music Modernization Act. Oh, right. How that will revolutionize the way that royalties are paid out, how musicians will be better compensated, and that was a big part of the AFM lobbying along with the Recording Academy and other organizations. So not only what we do with contracts, but who's out there advocating for musicians when they're writing laws about performance rights, how much musician yes. musicians going to get when it plays on the radio or in streaming or on TV? There's nobody in the room thinking about musicians. They're thinking about composers. They're thinking about publishers. They're thinking about songwriters, singers. But the AFM is the only institution that's in the room saying, hey, what about the guitar players? What about the bass players? What about the, you know, the orchestrators? The brass, the orchestrators, the arrangers. That's the AFM's role. You know, we, last year, we successfully got a law passed in California on scoring tax credits. So that when movies get scored, they they offer incentives to do the music here in California. Yes. In those negotiations, there was not one. There was IATSE, there was SAG-AFTRA. The writers guild the dga the motion picture association you know all these unions mm-hmm. were there with their handout, but we were the only one talking about there's part of it sure. we were the only ones there talking about music we're like well you know the music that's post-production we really need we no. said look screw that if the state of california is going to is going to take my tax paying dollars and put it towards a company's project to generate jobs musician jobs got to be part of that absolutely that was an effort that took almost 20 years predates me to get scoring tax credits into this program it's been around 20 years and and just barely even acknowledged that music is is part of the industry wow so those are the reasons why you need a union Uh, going back to that
2: you ever watch a movie or a tv show with the sound muted Not nearly as good, right? Of course. Isn't it amazing how the music makes the motion picture? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yet the industry still has an issue acknowledging that. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I mean
1: the industry itself puts so much weight on the actors and the director, and they don't realize the the directors obviously. The directors. They get it.
2: They absolutely.
1: The film studios acknowledge it by having to put money in the budget right but it's usually the last thing they do the last item and that's where they run out of money and they're trying to do it on the cheap on the which cheap. is why we see a lot of work go abroad no. you know because it's cheaper to do it somewhere else but yeah I mean I think a lot of directors in town thankfully you understand my film would be nothing without music without music right?
2: that's right that's right John, I could go on For
1: hours We could spend uh, a day here But I, I know yeah, Your I know. podcast is limited Yes, well you, You're a busy <laughs> man And I don't want to Take up
2: doing? too much Of your time here So, uh, man Just, I mean The camaraderie Of the musicians here The f- the brand new facility In Burbank is amazing You have beautiful Rehearsal rooms We have beautiful Yeah, yeah we, so are we I say, that's right As it's a yours. collective We, we are have. a union yes. We have b- a beautiful Rehearsal rooms uh, yeah. uh, What else? Lounges and we're Tell so us living. about it we're recording
1: studio meeting. That we're starting To get online A so. studio that we putting right. up. Right. Beautiful. Also, you know, obviously we're doing, we have workshops and seminars here which are Freedom members. So have you taken any Excellent. of the classes? Yes, I took the orchestration, orchestration with Dr. Ludwig. Excellent. So you did one and two? One and two. What Excellent. a blast. So we're now talking about adding another program, composition, a composing workshop as well. I'll a be here for that. seminar. <laughs> <So>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, we're, we're always looking at expanding and making it more relevant to the younger musician. Absolutely. Which you need to tell, you know, obviously... Bring your ideas to us, too, because I consider you still a young musician.
2: Oh, well, thank you, sir.
1: <laughs> well, and that's what the career musician is
2: all about. That is our M.O. It's to spread the word to the next generation of career musicians that are doing this for real. Look, this is an advocacy for us. Absolutely. And, and uh, united we stand, right? Divided that's, we fall.
1: Absolutely. Again, hate to sound cliche, but it's true. Yeah, well, there's strength in unity. That's And that's, that's what a union's about.
2: I hope this interview with the president of Local 47, John Acosta, has helped answer some of your concerns and questions about the musicians' union. If you're here in Los Angeles, go down to their headquarters in Burbank and get to know everybody. If you're in a different city and state, find out where your local AFM office is and get to know them. Remember, they're career musicians just like you and I.
0: Until the next gig, if you've enjoyed today's interview, please leave a review and subscribe to the Career Musician Podcast.
2: I'm just a nomad, nowhere man Writing the songs in this one-man band
1: done and
2: you'll be fine i'll be back this way sometime until then baby don't you
0: cry hi i'm shanti and i'm lynx and we are the hosts of the podcast muses our show is dedicated to celebrating the lives and stories of legendary music muses and groupies We are the girls who bring you the stories of those mega conduits of inspiration. The divine spirits who influence the style, career, and lives of your favorite rock stars from every decade and genre of music. So how do we bring you these stories? We share them in a wide range of ways from recounting their memoirs to interviewing the women themselves. You'll also hear about the photographers, journalists, and backstage movers and shakers who all played significant roles in rock and roll history. Some past interviews include Jenny Boyd, yes, sister to Patty Boyd, which makes her the sister-in-law to George Harrison and Eric Clapton. Oh, and she was also married to Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac. We also spoke with Joe Wood, wife to Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones for 30 years. With over 100 episodes, there's a little something for everyone. Turns out you can always get what you want. And because we're proud groupies ourselves, from time to time, we'll bring you an interview with some of our favorite bands. Join us on Muses for your bi-weekly dose of inspiration. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace, love, and rock and roll.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.